Thanks for listening. If you'd like to schedule a one-on-one coaching with Dr. Lodi, please visit drsudliff.com. I am an American board certified OBGYN, a mom, a Muslim, and I'm talking about sex. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sadaf Lodi, and this episode is everything you need to know about positive intelligence coaching. Uh, before I get into it, I just want to make very clear that I am not giving any type of religious or medical advice. So if you have any concerns about your health, please speak with your friendly neighborhood health provider. And if you have any questions about your religion, please speak with your neighborhood religious leader. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast because I just happen to be a Muslim woman that speaks about sex. So um, before we get into the podcast episode, I would just like to ask for whoever is listening to please leave me a review of my podcast. I would love it and I would love to see those five stars. So if you could please leave me a review of uh, the podcast, especially if you enjoy listening to the podcast. And also remember that I always offer one-on-one coaching for uh, intimacy and relationships. So make sure you reach out to drsalif.com. And now we'll get into the episode. Today, I am super excited to have on with me, Dr. Heather Awad. So welcome, Dr. Awad. And um, if you could please introduce yourself to the viewers and the listeners, that'd be great. Thanks. Thanks for having me today. So I'm Dr. Heather Awad. I'm a family doctor in Minnesota, which is, um, if people don't know where it is, it's in the very middle of the United States, the very farthest north spot in the United States. So that's where I am. I'm a family doctor, but also a certified life and weight loss coach. So I help professional women over age 50 achieve permanent weight loss. And that that is my work now. Um, but you and I have been doing some training with Shirzad Shamin and learning some really cool things, um, to help our clients. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so for those listeners that, uh, and viewers that may not know, there is a type of coaching that's called positive intelligence. It was formulated by, um, a man, his name is Shirzad Shamin, and he is based out of, uh, California. I think he actually teaches some classes um, through the Stanford uh, Business School, and I think also from the Yale Business School, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but anyway, so tell me, Heather, what uh, what do you like about it? And if you could just kind of go briefly into the type of coaching that he does talk about and what his main premise is. Sure. So my my general gist of what his main premise is is that we have um, kind of these negative parts that are in our lives. Um, And the big one that we'll talk about today is the voice of the judge, but we have even other negative voices in our heads that are maybe have, uh, you know, more specific personalities, but we also have this really wise sage within ourselves. And even those parts um, have their own personalities, but we can really uh, try to minimize the negative voices in our heads and, um, and try to grow and cultivate the sage parts of ourselves, kind of our better essence. Um, so it's a, it's a beautiful format to use, um, with our clients. 
Yeah, no, I love it. I think it's I think it's very uh, appropriate and especially appropriate for coaching, right? Because I think a lot of times in coaching, we deal with the cognitive aspect of it. So we'll talk about like the thoughts that go through our head. And we know that as coaches, um, that it's really the thoughts that create our feelings and our emotions. And then those emotions will lead to our actions. And so if we can change the thoughts that are starting up in our head, even before they lead to emotions and then to our actions, then we can really change the narrative of our relationships with really anyone, right? It can be with our partners or our children or um, at work, really anywhere. Right. So we help our clients kind of look at their own thoughts and we show them kind of where they're getting this kind of wiser self that's coming and where they're getting this judgmental voice for themselves and for their partners. Um, and so that can be really eye-opening for them as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, I noticed that, you know, and I think that we were going to get into it, but we were talking about the judge and um, something else that he speaks about in his book and also in his way of coaching, the way he talks about it are um, things that he calls the saboteurs, right? And so maybe right. you could uh, expand on that a little bit. Sure. The saboteurs, he says the judge is the main saboteur. That's the mean voice in our head. But there are um, other things that he gets pretty detailed about in his book um, that are about other ways that we kind of get in our own way. Are we, do we people please? Uh, do we avoid uh, difficult situations? Uh, are we super hyper achievers? And if we're not achieving something, then we're no good. Um, and there are, there are others as well. I guess I, maybe we don't need to go through all of them, but there are you know, a lot of different ways that we get in our own yeah. way. Yeah, absolutely. Right. He also talks about like the controller and like you said, there's so many other ones, but I think the important thing to note is when those voices start talking to us in our head, right? So even though we know those thoughts are coming from ourselves, there's a part of us that can be really mean, right? To ourselves right. and of course to others. But really, I think it starts with just being mean to ourselves and then just knowing that, you know, if we're not achieving, then we're really no good or, you know, other thoughts that go through our head, like, um, you know, like always judging ourselves and our circumstance, like maybe, you know, either we're not enough or that we're not doing enough or that we're not as good as somebody else. And and also, I think, you know, a lot of times recently people have been talking about like the imposter syndrome. Right. And I think that plays into it as well. The judge comes in and starts, you know, you may be talking about something and that judge starts coming into your head and saying, well, you're, you know, you don't really know enough about this topic. Should you really be talking about this topic? You know, what are you doing this and that? And so I think that those thoughts that come into our head really limit us and really prevent us from achieving our true potential. I agree. And the thing that's interesting when I work with my clients is they'll say that mean voice, that's just me. That's just me. And I think one of the things that I love about um, Shirzad Shamin's work is he points out that that mean voice is not you. <laughs> it's a thought loop from your childhood that um, comes back. It's really repetitious. It's always mean in some form. And, um, and it's something that can be shrunk and disrupted and, and is not your beautiful inner self. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, something else that he talks about uh, through his coaching is visualizing anytime you have a thought or that may be negative and you're talking to somebody else, whether it's your partner or your colleague or your child or something, is to envision them as their five-year-old self, right? Which I think is very powerful because you wouldn't at least hopefully not on purpose, knowingly hurt somebody that was, you know, much younger than you and much more innocent and naive and, you know, and intentionally try to hurt them. Right. And so when you're in a difficult situation, seeing somebody else as being very um, innocent and, um, you know, not really wanting the worst for you, I think it makes a big difference. And I think there's so many applications to this, right? I think this would help people with anxiety, people with depression and things like that, because you wouldn't automatically assume the worst of somebody. Instead, you would, you know, kind of pull back a little bit and envision them as somebody who is just, you know, caring and small and loving and and really not the negative things that come up. I think it's a nice one, too, since you work with people with relationships, um, that it's a nice one when you're feeling particularly annoyed by your partner <laughs> and you're and who hasn't felt that way <laughs> right right and you're ready to kind of dig in and go for it and then if you picture them as a small child it it stirs up that warmth in your heart again right for them that that is probably there already but it gives you that empathy for them um that maybe keeps you from diving into a big fight that that may or may not you know have been what you wanted to do Right, right. And I, I agree with you. And I think that that is really a key thing that I'm gaining from learning this type of coaching is how it applies to relationships and really to yourself as well, right? Because we know that in order to have a really fulfilling relationship with others, we have to have a really loving and caring and nurturing relationship with ourselves. Right. It all starts from our self and our being and how we feel about ourselves, because if we constantly have negative thoughts about ourselves, then that is only going to spill over into our relationships. But if we have if we love and nurture ourselves, then hopefully we can also then pass that on to the person, whoever it is that we're dealing with. Yeah, I know a woman who's dealt a lot with not having empathy for herself. And she has posted a picture of herself as a small child. And when she starts to get really down on herself, she looks at that picture and she says, you know, I don't want to say that to that precious little girl. You know, I don't, I don't want to talk like that to that precious little girl. She, and cause we all hold that little child in ourselves, right. That has, that is playful and loving or thoughtful or creative or, you know, everyone can think of, you know, three wonderful things about themselves as a small child. And that those attributes are still with us. So we should, you know, hold that caring for ourselves in that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that is one of the ways to foster a really positive relationship with ourselves. And then hopefully we can, bring it out onto our other relationship, like with our partner and with our children and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you can talk a little bit about what he talks about with the sage. Yeah. So he takes, he'll, he has people look at a picture of themselves as a small child um, and think, 
and think about what those attributes are. What was great about me when I look at that picture? And sometimes it's hard because you look at, um, you know, a picture of yourself as a little child and you think, oh, I look scared or I look, um, you know, you see, you can see the bad things that maybe happened to you as a child. But he said, look deeper and, and what are the beautiful things? You know, what, you know, um, you and I and others shared our, our child pictures and just, you can see like the energy or the thoughtfulness or the um, playfulness or, um, you know, it brought up a lot of really beautiful things about ourselves as a group. Um, and so he says to, to take that and then think this is, this is your natural sage es essence. This is your wiser self, you know, keep cultivating that, keep trying to remember what that is and keep trying to use that in your adult life. If you were playful, then are you playful now? You know, were you creative and you love to make up stories? Is there something that you do in your adult life that you can bring that to now? Because um, sometimes we for have forgotten those things and, yeah. and it's good to bring them back. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, something else that he talks a little bit about is this yes and, and maybe you can talk to us a little bit about what that is. Sure, sure. So he likes to talk about um, that sometimes we think we are right and the other person is wrong. And that can be in a room full of people in a group we're in, at work, at home. And he said, we all need to remember that the other person who we think is totally wrong <laughs> is at least 10% right. And can you agree with that? And it's really hard to argue against that. You know, even when I think about people that are really difficult, I think, ah, he's, he's right. They're at least 10% right. So his yes and um, kind of, uh, I don't know, exercise that you can do in your own head is um, think, okay, well, what's the 10% that's right? That sounded, you know, wrong what they said, but you know, what, what do I like about it? So I can say, what I like about what you said is this. And so maybe it's, I didn't tell them they had a great idea. I didn't tell them they were the smartest person I ever met, but I can tell them that little piece of their idea that I liked. And then I can say, and, and then I can kind of go off of it and bring my perspective to it. Um, and sometimes it'll even, you know, spur a new idea in, in me or in you to come up with something else that adds to the conversation, but it doesn't shut down that communication between the two people. Then it, you, you're engaging, you're, it makes you on the same team, you're collaborating. So, um, it's kind of a cool, cool idea. Yeah, I think that's fantastic because, you know, uh, definitely as we both know, working with uh, people on a regular basis, you definitely don't want to create a negative atmosphere. And so by always at least acknowledging 10% of, you know, whatever their suggestion is or idea is, then at least, you know, they know that you've listened to them and that right. you are actually paying attention to what they're saying. And that, you know, even if it's a really bad idea, <laughs> you didn't <laughs> cut it down and say, wow, that's like the worst thing I've ever heard in my life, you know, <laughs> instead you've, at least acknowledged it and said, yeah, maybe, you know, and then we can also do this. And so that, right, just like what you said, it's more of a collaborative effort and not really like a confrontational or a negative one, or where somebody 
feels really shut down by the way that, you know, we've responded to their suggestions. So I think that that really helps in fostering better relationships, both at home and at work. I love what I love what you said there too, about listening too, because so many times when you don't agree with someone like you're in your brain, you're racing ahead to what you're going to say next. Right. And we see people do that to us and we know they're not really listening, but if you're looking for the thing that's right and what they said, you really are. And that means a lot to people to be heard. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it helps so much in relationships, right? And um, specifically what I'm thinking about is like when you are in a relationship with, um, well, with your significant other, Mm -hmm. right? And oftentimes when we get annoyed with them, which I'm sure never happens, right? (laughs) (laughs) We get annoyed or frustrated, then we are definitely not listening. And, you know, we are constantly, at least I am, I can't speak for anyone else, but, you know, like... uh, sometimes that can be short, right? And to maybe not really give them the space that they need or, you know, even let them speak their full sentence, right? So I think by listening and saying that yes, and and actually even saying it back to them, right? Tells them that you've, you know, listened to them. And I I think with coaching, that's a big part, right? In terms of us going back and reflecting on what the patient or the client has said to us, and it really um, emphasizes just how important listening is. And it, it does make a big difference. And especially when we talk about relationships and we're talking about intimacy and creating that emotional intimacy, which is typically what most people want. And especially when it comes to women, women tend to really want that emotional intimacy with their partner. Yeah. And I think one great way to develop that is to really hone in on the listening skills for everyone so Mm -hmm. that, you know, you can create that emotional intimacy. Yeah. I love, I love that. And, um, and it even makes me think, you know, what you said about listening to your partner about how there are times when our partner will give an opinion about um, something that we think is like our, our territory, right? Like they will be like, one of my kids will be sick. I'm a family doctor. And my husband wants to make a, a suggestion about something about the sickness. And I'm thinking, you know, stay in your lane, buddy. That's just a voice in my head. <laughs> you know, I've got this all worked out, you know, and but if they if I actually listen, then I can hear the caring of my husband for our child. And there might be something in there that's going to be helpful. You know, if I figure there's 10% in there, then, um, and so then even through the problem, he and I will have connected. And I'm just thinking that I want to do that now, <laughs> Dr. Sato. So thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, you know, it's funny because I've, you know, had the pleasure of meeting your husband on Zoom. So I'm just envisioning him saying something and you know, like thinking in your head, you know, like stay in your lane. So just kind of, yeah, no, absolutely. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. My husband's an engineer by um, trade, but he works in finance. And so, you know, it's same thing. Like he, anytime he says something medical, you know, I, I have to like, stop <laughs> myself from like saying oh god okay and the poor guy you know he actually doesn't even say anything then he's just like all right well i'll just let you handle it you know yeah. 
doing. But um, maybe that's yeah, not actually, what we're hoping for either in the intimacy that they totally back off right. and are like, oh, no, not me. This is all you either. You know, maybe that's. Right. Yeah. Right. And so that's where the communication shuts down, right? Yeah. Is if if we are constantly judging our partners or our spouse or our colleagues or whatever, then that communication just stops. And so then there's just no collegial environment there or when it comes to a relationship that that intimacy can't grow because you're not sharing your experiences. You're not being emotionally connected. And definitely you need the emotional connection because you can have that physical intimacy, mm -hmm. but then it doesn't probably mean as much unless you have that emotional connection, you know, and, and right. for some people they don't need that emotional connection, but for others they do. And so, and oftentimes the emotional connection, the emotional intimacy will lead to that physical intimacy. Right. And so I think right. that if we're, you know, for people that are trying to work on their relationships, it all starts with uh, communication. And actually that's one of the biggest factors in uh, surveys that they've done for female, it's called the female sexual satisfaction survey. Uh -huh. And they say the biggest factor in identifying whether or not women are satisfied in their relationships is communication. So there we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It makes really makes sense. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I'm just curious when um, you think about this emotional intelligence and not so much emotional, but the positive intelligence, you know, where do you think people could use it? I mean, I, I know that you and I think that we could use it all the time, but are there any specific um, areas in somebody's life that you think they it might really be helpful in? You know, I, I use it in my weight loss program, um, but really I Ooh, think, yeah. yeah, I think that decreasing the voice of the judge is a great way to start and is usually it's one of those things where you have there are many things that um you can use out of this but that's like a big step in the right direction that really helps people i think would you mind if i shared yeah. with you how i how i use this with my clients because i think oh, your listeners could try it yeah. i would love it yeah. yeah yeah i'd love it so what i do is i i say um you know try to find that try to find that thought that is the thought of the the judge offers you. And this helps because then you realize that it's a thought loop because it's usually repetitious. So it's either like you go to the mirror, like when I was 16 years old, if I went to the mirror, I always said, oh, my nose is so terrible, you know? And so it was always that. It was never like, oh, my ears or my chin. I mean, it was always like the nose was the thing that just kept offering me that. Um, or maybe when I made a mistake, it was always like, that was stupid. I can't believe you did that. And it was always that same thing over and over again. So we practice these thought loops, um, but they can be disrupted. So what I have people do is come up with five things that they like about themselves. It doesn't have to be about anything particular. It can be like, you, you know, you can think, well, I have great hair or I'm really good at my job or cats like me, or, you know, I'm really good at reading stories with the voices with my kids, you know, anything, really anything, write down five things. And then I have them put them on sticky notes and put it on their mirror, you know, any mirror that they go to often, because frequently if you have a strong judge voice, it definitely comes when you come look in the mirror. So what I have them do is when they go to the mirror to first look at one of those sticky notes and read it to themselves. And so instead of, you know, if I did this at 16, you know, instead of, um, 
going there and saying, oh, your nose looks terrible. I'd go in there and I'd look at a sticky note that says, you are great at math, you know, or <laughs> you are a good friend or what, you know, whatever. Um, and so disrupting that, practicing disrupting that um, can really help shrink that voice of the judge. The judge doesn't ever really go away, um, but you can really practice disrupting that. And then I'll, my clients will say, well, after a while I had to move around the notes or I put them on a different mirror. You know, I had them in the bathroom and then I moved them to the one that I look at before I leave the house or, you know, because we get used to seeing things and then we don't notice them anymore. But I'll tell you, some of them said, you know, I always thought that mean voice was me. And now that I know it's something I can just disrupt and and to look intentionally look and say some really nice things to myself that are true, it's, you know, it's really helped them feel better about their lives. I love that. I love that. And it's so empowering, right? And I yeah. think that one of the greatest things, honestly, that I've learned through coaching is that we are able to change our thoughts, right? Yes. I think sometimes we feel that like our thoughts are like waves and we're just riding them and mm -hmm. we just have no control and they just come and we just accept them and that's just the way it is. Yeah. But to realize that you can actually change your thoughts Right. And if I can change my thoughts, then I can change the way I feel. And just what you said, right? Changing those thoughts by putting those words up on the mirror and seeing those every day, you know, changes the way I feel about myself. Yeah. And so if I feel differently about myself, if I love myself, if I think that I'm really a caring person that loves others and wants the best for others, then then that's just going to change the way that I act. Right, right. right? And it's going to be a different story that I tell myself as opposed to like a negative thought that I may be telling myself that, oh, I'm so, you know, judgmental. I'm so jealous. Yeah. I'm so this and so that. Um, instead, it's all these positive affirmations. And I don't know if you remember on, uh, at least when I was growing up, and I, I think it's maybe the same time that you were growing up, you know, we always had that Saturday Night Live. You had that Stuart Smalley. Yes, yes. Talk about like, I'm good enough, yes. I'm strong enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. Yes. And you know, the funny thing is, because at that time, you know, growing up, I was like, what the heck is he talking about? Right, <laughs> right. But like, now when you think about it, you're like, whoa, he was on to something. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah funny, you know? Definitely, I, definitely. And it's yeah, good to think yeah. things that seem true to us, right? Like I might want to write, you are a great marathon runner, but I cannot run 26 miles. <laughs> but I could say, you know, I'm a runner, you know, if I was, <laughs> or something like that, that, you know, if I'm, I'm trying to become more of something, you know, I could say something that seems true that heads me in the right direction. You know, if you put something, you know, obviously if you put like, I am the nicest person in the world, that's not going to feel true to me, you know, but I can say that I'm a good friend and that does feel true to me. So I, you know, you want something that, that seems true because otherwise your brain will be like, no. <laughs> Right, and that judge is going to be on steroids then, right? right. <laughs> so like, what the heck? You know that's not true. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. No. Absolutely. Right. You want to um, encourage those positive affirmations, yeah. such that it changes that negative loop that you have and those thoughts that you have about yourself. And so now you're thinking positive thoughts about yourself. 
And imagine like all of the good that can come out of that in your relationship with your, you know, your spouse, your partner, whoever, and also at work. So, so that you show up, you know, like a positive person so that people actually gravitate toward you and not away from you. If you were say like a negative person or a judgmental woman or something like that. I think that Shirzad Shamin makes a good point too, that we judge ourselves and we throw that judgment out into the world. And mostly it's both ways. So when we actually are nicer to ourselves, we will most likely be nicer to other people, like you said, at work and in our family and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So if there would be some, like, say, key takeaways from this positive intelligence that you've learned and garnered and what you teach your um, clients, what would you say that those were? I would say that, I mean, the big one is that mean voice in your head is not you. (laughs) And you can shrink it. And you can, you know, there's good research that we can change those those thought loops. And so it's worth, it's worth trying it, you know, to, uh, to shrink that mean voice in your head. It is not you. You are that really neat little kid, you know, that, that is still you. Um, the other thing is I would say to, you know, think about having empathy for yourself, picture, picture that small child inside yourself, um, and picture it in the people that, that, you know, I'd say is, it's hard sometimes to picture this, but it, it, it does work for some people to picture them as a small child. I have had people say, you know, it's really hard at work for me to, to do that because I try it out, experiment, you know, see if there's someone that's bothering you at work or if you're just feeling a lot in conflict with your partner um, this week, you know, picture them as a, as they might've been as a little child, as a five-year-old and kind of notice their own cute attributes. Right, right. And I think that that, those are great takeaways. And I think that it's not that hard to incorporate, right? But it takes practice. It takes practice, just like with anything else, you know, and I like where Shirzad says that, you know, these positive thoughts are, 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 is actually like a muscle in your brain that you have Mm -hmm. to keep exercising so that it grows stronger so that those positive thoughts thoughts are the ones that are coming to you as opposed to your negative thoughts, which kind of is the default for, I think, really everyone. And so to grow that muscle in our brain, we have to continually practice it. So I think that that's really important as well. Right. But um, and one other thing I would say, too, is that when things that when you have a really stressful day or a stressful week, the judge will get really loud again. And, and that's normal. So then you can just, like you said, practice that muscle again and be kind to yourself and think those thoughts on purpose that you've chosen and know that, that it will shrink down again. But it's normal that sometimes the judge will get real loud again too. You aren't doing it wrong. <laughs> I, and I think, you know, kind of what you're saying is that you really can't do this wrong. Right. Like you just, you just have to practice. And I think also is when you allow yourself to think differently, you'll achieve different results. And Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the key things to remember. And that, you know, I think another thought that sometimes people have is that, you know, they're failing and that because they're not able to have these thoughts or to practice them that forget it, it's not going to work. You know, it's no good. What do you say to that person? 
I say that, you know, our lives are journeys and, and we're not failing, we're experimenting. And, you know, it's, it's kind of funny, but it's like the, the, when the toddler falls down, you know, you watch a toddler going across the room and they fall down. No one says that kid is terrible at walking, you know, they (laughs) failed. That's right. That's right. Might as well just forget it now. (laughs) Right. right. Why are we letting that kid walk? You know, it's, you know, it's, we're not that different. We still, we mess up. We do things wrong. We, we fall down. Um, you know, and the things that we're trying. And, and so we should have some grace for ourselves. Um, none of it's a failure. It's, it's really just sometimes a bump in the road and we can keep going and try something else or, or just keep trying the same thing again if it worked before but just isn't working today. And, yeah. yeah, I agree with you 100%. So, so that's definitely one of the key takeaways, everyone. You know, you haven't failed. There's always tomorrow and you just need to practice. I think that's the biggest thing. And also that to, you know, improve your relationship with others, your spouse, your colleagues, your kids, you know, really is starts with improving the relationship with yourself and loving yourself and being more compassionate and understanding with yourself. And then that will then spill over onto your other relationships. Right, right. So, um, Heather, how can the people that are listening and watching get in touch with you if they're interested in, say, losing weight and they're over 50? Um, how can they reach out to you? Sure. I have a, a download on how women, professional women over age 50 lose weight. Uh, it kind of gives you the, the special things that are needed for people who are over 50. Um, and that's at my website. Um, vibrant-md.com forward slash 50. And that's something they can find there. I am also on social media. You can come find me there. Um, but yeah. Do you want to tell us what your handles are? You know, I think I'm, I'm trying to remember on Instagram. I'm Heather Awad MD. You can find me on LinkedIn as well with my name. Those are probably the easiest. Okay. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on. And well, we are done here and it's been real and really intimate. So remember, this is not meant to be any type of medical advice. So if you have any questions about your health, please speak with your friendly neighborhood health provider. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Please be so kind to leave a review for the Muslim Sex Podcast. Five stars are always welcome and I would greatly appreciate it. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast.